0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Any cursory glance of newspaper headlines, be it around the country or right here at home in the San Francisco Bay Area, and we can readily draw the conclusion that the American family today is in a great deal of trouble. Frequently, parents that get involved in issues pertaining to things like substance abuse find themselves in circumstances where the authorities are forced to come in and remove their children from the household in order to protect that child. The children, then, are put into the foster parenting system. What exactly is foster parenting? And is foster parenting a viable opportunity for we as the church, the body of Christ, to do something significant in the lives of children that are often coming from abusive and certainly very unstable circumstances? Joining me today in studio from the Hosanna Parent Project is Vern Tyler, and Vern, as always, great to have you with us.
2: And always good to be with you. We're
1: also joined by Pastor Larry Freiling, who is Senior Pastor at Christ's Community Church in the city of Hayward. And Pastor, welcome to you. Well, thank you. Pastor Larry, first let me start with you. Down through recent years, you and your spouse have, I understand, foster parented up to 35 children. Yes, Tell specifically us, infants. Infants. Tell us how this door opened up. Tell us the story.
3: (laughs) My wife brought me into it. Uh, We had four children, uh, basically at that time between the ages of 25 and 14. And there was a sense within both of us that uh, we could be doing more. There would be something. And my wife always had a dream of doing foster care. She's an RN by her training and specialized in infants. And so we began the process of working with the county, getting the training and certification to become uh, foster parents.
1: Was this a tough decision? I mean, you're already raising a family. We know that you have a pretty busy schedule as the pastor of a vibrant and growing church. Uh, you've got a vibrant and busy family. And now to that mix, you're going to add in young children, infants, and infants that sometimes
3: may be coming from sort of special needs circumstances, too, I would imagine. Uh, Pretty much always out of special needs. yeah, it's tough, but that's not a determining factor. You know we we felt the call. we felt that this is what we needed to do, this is what we really wanted to do, and uh, there's a high price to pay, but there's a tremendous benefit to come out of it at the same time. You know we have a where our changing table is at home, we have a Bible verse out of Mark 9. And it says, Jesus took the little children and put it on his lap and said, if you accept this child, you accept me. And not only do you accept me, you accept the father who sent me. And so it's part of the the task. It's part of God's heart. It was part of Jesus' heart that children were important and children should be important in the church. And I think in us, there was a sense of, you can't just talk about it. You actually have to do something.
1: When you and your spouse began to pray about this, and it's a calling, as you pointed out, how did you broach the topic with the four kids at home? That we might have some visitors coming (laughs) to stay, that the family family dynamic would be changing?
3: Actually, most of them were pretty excited about it. Our youngest daughter didn't want to be the last one. And so, smart one. (laughs) Yes. But, uh, you know, bringing infants into the house was, was a good experience for them. It taught them how to take care of babies, love babies change diapers, and they actually got very much into the process. Every year we do family camping trips. We would bring these infants with us, and and the kids would take turns with the backpack of having the baby in it, and it just became a real family project. So it was a positive for that.
1: Are there aspects of this that's painful, heartbreaking, not only in terms maybe faster of the circumstances of which the children are coming from as they come into your home, but then you hear uh, are, are caring for this child, nursing this child back to health maybe and in some circumstances if the child has been neglected or abused. I would imagine that a, an attachment to a child like that would happen pretty easily and then suddenly working with the reality
3: that this is not permanent. You know, that's that's part of the job. You know, when I talk to people in in, in the church, the number one reason they say I could never do that is because I would have to say goodbye and it would be too painful. You know, that's That's part of the deal about being a Christian. You don't go into it just because it's all going to be peaches and cream. Um, I mean, what's the other choice? We just leave these children uncared for. It is a difficult experience. A lot of the children that came in were drug exposed, so they were in withdrawal. Uh, They would scream through the night. Um, You know what it's like being a new parent. Uh, We did it 35 times in a row So there were sleepless nights, there were other issues that needed to deal with, um, but that was part of it, And, and the goal was, if we could love this child, and this child could attach to us, it would make that child so much easier to attach back to the birth parents, back to the adoptive parents, to the next foster parents, and so we gave that child as much of a positive experience. Our church jumped in, when that child came in, people were glad to see him or her, And so that child ran around, and people loved, and so the world became a very positive place for those children.
1: It really sets the whole notion, Vern Tyler, on its head in the sense that so often we think of this in terms of us and our family, what it's going to mean for us and our lifestyle and and our jobs and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, as I'm sure you and Judy learned very early a very long time ago... It's about the kids and making a difference in these kids' lives, isn't it?
2: Absolutely. And I think uh, for those of us that are people of faith, one of the things, one of the traps we've got to be very careful uh, is that we want to claim possession of our kids instead of treating them as though we're the steward, mm-hmm. responsible for them. We want to claim them and then control them and do things of this nature. And that's, uh can be very difficult and bring on even more hardships and so on and so forth. Uh, that's one of the reasons why, of course, at Hosanna, we've tried to do more of the parent project kind of a thing to prevent for kids going into the system and to help families learn. You don't control, you influence, you love, and uh, then you see the good results that can come out of that. And as Pastor indicated here, we do what we do because we, we love. Uh, we want to see, we know that God's the only answer, and that until we can understand his uh, reason for creating and the purpose behind all of this, um, then we're not going to be an effective parent. But if you understand the basics, uh, the parenting is going to be absolutely tremendous. And for those of us that have cared for foster kids, this is the exciting part of this. You literally see humans change, not that we change, but the Holy Spirit working through us or directly uh, accomplishes a change. But this is the exciting part of it. When you see lives changed, it's very exciting.
1: Take us back. What went into your decision and Judy's decision all those years ago when you first said, let's open up our hearts and our home to a needy child?
2: Well, again, I, we, we use this cliche, it's, it's a calling. Uh, and, uh, We've heard but that that's twice actually, now. Yeah, <laughs> but that's <laughs> actually what it is. You know, It was terrifying for Judy and I uh, to consider uh, doing what we were. And we did this with our kids when they were much smaller, and most of the fostering that we've done were with teen boys. So our children were younger than the kids that came into the house. So it was a real challenge for our kids. Um, but, Craig, all of my kids are serving the Lord. All of them are in ministry. Even my grandkids are there now. That wouldn't have happened if we had not, if the Holy Spirit had not called us in, in a way and given us the heart to serve these kids and had our kids benefited from it in the whole process as we've come along the years.
1: So often there's always that concern, well, gee, if we open up our home, we have kids. I-, I don't want to influence our kids or expose our kids to a negative influence. Oftentimes these children, particularly if they're in their teens, are not only coming from abusive backgrounds themselves, but they have been engaged in maybe uh, drug abuse. There are truancy issues. They are known to law enforcement, things of this sort. So suddenly now as a protective parent, I'm saying, well, wait a minute. What kind of influences, what kind of outside negative influences am I opening my family up to here?
2: Next to the attachment issue, this is probably the, the critical issue that most foster parents or potential foster parents have to consider. What am I going to be bringing into my home, and uh, uh, what kind of a negative uh, influence is I going to have on my children? Uh, I have duties, in my experience, have been totally opposite. That it was a negative experience; it was extremely positive. And again, I look at the fruit. My uh, all three of my children now are adults, and uh, I think the oldest is fifty years old in ministry. Uh, you know, they foster parented, uh, but it totally influenced their life for the positive. But they had to go through an awful lot. You know, I remember Judy and I, we would discuss, and at nighttime we would say, are we uh, positioning ourselves in a way where our kids are going to pay a price for us trying to win the world? Mm -hmm. But God's blessing has just been totally the opposite of that. And it's just it's remarkable. I literally, I cry daily to think back on how God has honored and blessed the efforts that Judy and I have put out.
1: We're going to pause on that point. Come back to more of our conversation. Vern Tyler from the Hosanna Parent Project is with us today in studio. You can get more information, by the way, on the web at hosannahomes.org. That's hosannahomes.org. Also with us today is the senior pastor of Christ Community Church located in Hayward, Pastor Larry Freiling. You can get more information about his ministry on the web at CCC. Think of simply Christ Community Church, CCCHayward.com. We'll take a brief time out and come back to more of our conversation as our focus on Life is Holy continues here on KFAI.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: And welcome back to our conversation. Craig Roberts along with our in studio guest. We're pleased to have with us today Vern Tyler from the Hosanna Parent Project and also Pastor Larry Frylane, Senior Pastor at Christ Community Church of Hayward. Pastor Larry, let me turn back to you again. As Vern was mentioning just before the break, there is a sense of having to count the cost here, isn't it? Whether you're taking in older children, that your concern may have a negative influence on your own, perhaps younger family kids that are coming from abusive backgrounds that have had brushes with the law, things of this sort, behavior problems, psychological challenges, spiritual challenges to be sure, or even if it's just a matter of bringing in an infant child who suddenly takes you back to what it was like to have your own kids in the first several months with 3 a.m. feedings and the disruptive of sometimes the nature of the routine of the family and so forth. There is a cost to be counted here, isn't there?
3: Yeah, and if you look at it as simply a cost, it's what did we lose? And there was things that we lost. We lost sleep. We lost vacation time. uh, We lost the ability as a family to eat dinner together without being interrupted. On the other hand, we picked up a whole lot more. Uh, you know, like Vern talks about his kids are all involved in ministry. You know, all of my kids too. They they have a, a much deeper sense of what it means to follow Jesus. And it moves from just your head into real action. And so by having those infants in the home, they knew it was a ministry. They knew we didn't do it for the money. We did it for Jesus, and it was inconvenient and it was messy and it was dirty. But there was a satisfaction that you could see God working, you could see God working in some of the families, you could see God change some of these infants that literally came in as a mess and left as a normal little toddler. Um, There's a benefit in that, and I think they got the bigger picture of what it meant to serve Jesus that way.
1: We oftentimes, and perhaps erroneously so, think of this in terms of foster parenting, about how it's going to change the family, how it's going to impact the family dynamic, and, and sadly, perhaps, more often than not, we immediately jump to the negative. We immediately consume, presume that that means that it's going to be a negative family impact on the family. But as you point out, yeah, there's a price to be paid, but look at the rewards that we are reaping. Christ paid the price on the cross, the ultimate price with his own life. Look at the rewards for those who, who honor him and serve him, and, and recognize the substitutionary work that he's done on our behalf. The reward there is, is heaven. It's eternity.
3: Yep. You know, Jesus goes and says, you want to gain your life, you give it away. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the little plaques that we have that when you walk into our house, it says basically 100 years from now, it's not going to be about what kind of car you drove or what house you lived in, but whether or not you invested in a child. Because children live Forever. And we are making an impact forever. Now, I may not understand how that all works in just the brief period of time we had with us children, but there is something about God we're putting in. Every child came into our house and left our house with a lot of prayer, and I don't know where God's going to answer that prayer, but I, I, I just have faith and trust He will.
1: There is a big faith component to all of this, isn't there, in the sense that whether you're talking about inviting a infant into your home that may be there for three months, six months, a year, and then you have no idea, perhaps, what the final story there is, or if it's an older child that's there for a short period of time and moves on, you don't know what the outcome is, and so then perhaps you say, well, because we can't control the outcome, we don't want to go there. Would that be akin to be, to say, I'm not going to share my faith with somebody else because I don't know whether or not they're really going to accept Jesus, and so... Why bother?
2: Oh, I think that's very definitely true. And, of course, working with older kids, some of these kids are reunited, go back home. And uh, after having done this for some 30 years and over 800 kids, you know, you can uh, – I see kids on the street now and even grown-up kids who come back with their families to visit and to for them to share the impact that whatever period of time they had with us in our home. Now, probably when that kid left – we had big questions. You know, did we ever make any impact? Well, usually we could see it. We could see it in their grades in school they would go from failing and cutting classes to the honor roll. That was very typical, the immediate. But how deep was, was that faith walk of theirs? Uh, that's always a big question. Mm-hmm. But now after these many years and to see these kids stand at the front door with their own families and saying, thank you so much, I never would be here if it hadn't been for you, uh, you know, that makes a big difference too. But I see that in my kids now, and they're in ministry. They're sharing the same way. You don't worry about the harvest. That's Mm -hmm. God's. We plant the seed, we water, and let God be the God of the harvest.
1: Do we need to rethink our approach to this? And let me pose this question first to Pastor Freiling in the sense that this is a calling, as you pointed out earlier. This is also a God opportunity. It may be much like Christ encountered with a woman at the well. He knew that he wasn't going to be with her for days and weeks. She wasn't going to follow him around as the disciples did, to sit at his feet every single day and and learn of him and and who he was. But he had that moment, that exchange, that, that, that moment in time when their paths crossed, that he had an opportunity to speak life. He had the opportunity to introduce her to living water. Does that maybe need to be the way in which we as the church pray, consider if this is a door that God would have a step through, if this is a calling that he's leading us to, that this is a chance for us to provide a setting in which a child, be it an infant or an older child, can have that God encounter, that proverbial meeting as the woman at the well did with Jesus?
3: Yeah. You know, sometimes in the, in the church, we can kind of wring our hands and talk about the way society is or what people have done. Foster care, adoption are, are a couple of ways in which we literally roll up our sleeves and say, how can I help you? How can I help this child? How can I help the family? And we become involved. You know, the tendency at times of the church is to stand back and say, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. But Jesus rolled up his sleeves. He spent time with a woman at the well. He spent time with people in ministry. And that's what he calls us to do. Um, One of the big changing factors in my life was a dozen years ago, there was an article in Christianity Today. And the article basically was, we talk a lot about kids, but we don't do anything about it. And out of that article, one of the children that came into our home when he was only seven days old, my wife and I ended up adopting... And then we ended up adopting a a second one because we didn't want him to be sort of all by himself. So we've gone from foster to adoptive parents, and so we have phase one kids Mm -hmm. that are much older, and now we're doing the elementary and junior high all over again.
1: Is there a message here for the church in the sense that if you poll the average non-believer out there and just say, the church, what can you tell me? they can rattle off a list of what we're against like that. In fact, they probably know it better than we do. We're against this, we're against that. The problem is that so often we don't do a very good job in terms of communicating what we're for, do
3: we? Mm. You know, I would say that the vast majority of parents that we saw in the county foster care system as foster parents came out of a Christian church. They didn't do it for the money because, to be honest, there's not a whole lot of money in it, but they came out of it with a sense of service. My understanding in the early church is that if a, if a baby in the Roman Empire was born with a deformity, people would throw them out, put them on a hill, and the church was known for coming and collecting them. And we need to kind of regain that identity. Now, not everybody can be foster parents. Um, and foster parents are different. Vern tells me he has teenagers, and i, I sends a shudder down my spine. But, you know, we, we took in infants. That was our, our spot. Other people in the church aren't at that place, but they can help support the foster parents and be involved in that. When we got into it, our church came with cribs and baby clothes and and helped us restock. And they were there just to to help us in the process.
1: Pastor, you and your wife need a night out. We're going to come and sit with the kids.
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
1: This is a chance then in a very significant and real way for the church to show what we are for, that we are for life. We are for family. We are for encouraging those that are less fortunate, that oftentimes come from circumstances that are not of their own making, would certainly not be of their choice. I mean, if you could pull any of the kids, Byrne, that you've worked with as teenagers and say, Would you pick the family that you come from? Your mother is an alcoholic, your father's in jail, uh, things that they well, of course, they would say, No, I, who would ever want to be in those circumstances? And yet, that's what life has handed them. Here's a chance for we as the church to do something significant to show how we are for hope and grace and love and new beginnings and, and we, forgiveness and, and we restoration. Need,
2: and we need to model that for our own children, Greg. See, it isn't just that we do this to reach out to our community, but we're reaching into who we are. You know, I'm certainly grateful I have the opportunity to serve the community, but I'm even more grateful that I see the impact it's had on my kids that would not have happened if Judy and I had not realized how critical this was and while we lay at bed at night and, and worried whether we were trying to see the world and we're going to lose our own kids. The outcome was totally opposite of that. But that's that's the way God's mystery works in terms of the way that He moves in our families. We can't woo from fear. we've got to move from hope. and if we're not, if we're not instilling hope in our children, as Pastor did with his children bringing in these and and modeling and encouraging them to kind of support. Uh, And the same thing with me and Judy and our family and uh, the training we've done at Hosanna Homes in recruiting foster families, trying to get them to develop that hope so that not only does our community have hope, but our own children have hope. Our children, and as you, we've done the parent project thing, when we're losing 80% of our own kids within our own church, that tells us, and it's not necessarily what the church is doing wrong, it's what the families are doing wrong. Or not doing right. I don't want to say doing wrong, but we're doing not doing something right. We're not giving a hope. We're not passing on a faith to our kids because our faith is dead. Nothing's happening. This uh, adoption and foster care is the most natural ministry that you can get involved in. You're using assets that you currently have. We don't have to take special training. We don't have to develop special skills. Just simply receive out of love a child or children into our home and then model for them the hope that we really profess. Yes. We're modeling it. We're doing it.
1: We're going to take a time out, come back to more of our conversation. Life is holy, indeed. I'm Craig Roberts, back with more along in our conversation with Vern Tyler and Pastor Larry Freiling as this edition of Lifeline continues.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back to Lifeline. With me today in studio, Pastor Larry Fryling. He's Senior Pastor at Christ Community Church in Hayward. More information, by the way, on the web at ccchayward.com. Think of Christ's Community Church, ccchayward.com. Also with us today from the Hosanna Parent Project is Vern Tyler. More information on his ministry on the web at hosannahomes.org. That's hosannahomes.org. Pastor, something that you and your profession deal with, as all pastors do, uh, the challenge sometimes in this process of of um, shepherding the flock and training up disciples and teaching people more about who Jesus is uh, the notion and instilling in folks in the pews the difference between doing church versus being the church i, mean, I think we all at a certain level know what it is to do church you know, we show up at 11am on sundays and are uh, turned out in our sunday best we might drop a couple of dollars into the offering plate when it comes around, if it's Christmas or Easter, maybe even <laughs> yep. a few extra dollars. Uh, we might see our way through to volunteer to uh, sing in the choir or to attend a men's prayer breakfast on a given Saturday morning, things of this sort. It's a lot about what we do in that sense of kind of going through the paces, but it's, it's a whole different level, isn't it? Not only in terms of commitment, but also reward when it comes to moving from doing church to being church. I think about the difference that it must be making in the lives of your own family when you're modeling before your four children what it means to be the church as you welcome these needy infants into your home that sometimes are sick and colicky or dealing with literally withdrawal symptoms because mom had a drug addiction problem. And suddenly now you're, you're modeling a level of real Christianity that really kind of gets down to where the rubber meets the road, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, it does. Next month, I will have been a pastor for 30 years. And in that time, I've done a lot of funerals. And the ones that strike me the most are the ones where people stand up and talk about the deceased and say, he, she really changed my life. Mm. You know, there's this old question is, if you were to die today, would the kingdom of God on earth miss you? Or what wouldn't be done because you're gone? And that's not a guilt-producing thing. That was just a question. Um, my wife and I got into foster care in part because we went for a walk one night, and and things were going well at the church. And I said, you know, as we talked, there's a sense we could do more. And um, little did we know that this was the, the door that would open. But I think everybody should have a ministry. Everybody should be investing something of themselves into someone else's life. And it doesn't have to be the great thing. When when I was in seminary, I, I pictured God doing great things with me, you know, the big church and all of that. And one day I was reading and Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water, there you go. Yeah. You're, you're, you're on the right track. And so it doesn't have to be this great, big, huge it's not thing. not how we define significance.
1: It's how mm-hmm. God defines significance.
3: Exactly. You know, and, and the goal is, you know, I had a friend who used to pray. He says, God, when when I look up at you, all I want to see is your smiling face. You know, and behind that come the words, well done, you good and faithful servant. You
1: might think, gee, in the course of how many years now, foster parenting? Oh, 15. 15 years. You estimated about 35 over the course of 15 years. Well, it doesn't seem to be very significant. Maybe we should have made it 100 or 200 or, or <laughs> uh, approaching the teenagers. What, 800 and counting, uh, yeah. I think, uh, yes. uh, for Vern Tyler? And yet I bet if later on, at the other side, you could sit down with any one of those infants and ask the question or make the statement, gee, we don't feel like we really did anything significant, I would suspect any one of them would come back and say, wait a minute. (laughs) For me, what you did was very significant. You stepped in my life at a time when I had no one. When my mother wasn't capable of caring for me, when my father was non-existent, when I was on the verge of maybe even A life and death circumstance a child maybe is struggling to come back on the other side of having been born to a mother that was addicted to drugs and being nursed back to health and being given not just a shot at life, but also introduced to and modeled maybe in certain ways eternal life and what it means to serve an eternal Savior. Now for that one child or those 35 kids or those 800 kids, what you've done is very significant in the eyes of God and in the eyes of that child.
3: And he just take one step. You know, um, I, I love the phrase, you know, Jesus didn't ask you to do everything, but he did ask you to do something. something. Mm-hmm. And this is my little part. It seems insignificant. In my case, with a lot of these infants, they'll never remember me. Mm-hmm. You know, they were just too young. But in God's economy, all I am is just being faithful, doing what he called me to do. And I think
2: that's encouraging to those that are listening today, too, Craig, is that uh, however insignificant you feel now, just by reaching out to one person, to one child, can change not only that child's world, but your world. And that's, uh, that's very significant. It really
1: is a two-way street. Because Absolutely. as much as we couch this in terms of what you have to do, and Pastor, we, we began talking about some of the sacrifices and the disruption to family routine and things of this sort, the concerns about the influence, and, and are we cheating our kids and things of this sort. And yet the other side of that equation in doing something that seems at a level to be insignificant and yet is extremely significant for the the recipient, God can use this to do some significant things in the families. You've pointed out, Vern, every one of your kids has gone on not to say, oh, boy, that ministry business don't want to be there. I remember what it was like growing up. No, instead, every one have said, I want to follow Christ and follow him into full-time ministry. Wow.
2: And it's even happening with my grandchildren now graduating from college, going into ministry.
1: So we as the church maybe need to rethink this whole foster parenting thing and see this as maybe a significant game changer, not just in terms of looking at the headline news, shaking our heads sometimes in disbelief and disgust at the stories that we hear and saying, why doesn't somebody do something? Here's God saying, okay, your turn. You can do something. And as you do something for this needy child, for this infant, I, in turn, am going to do something significant in your own life and in your own walk.
3: Amen to that. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Foster parenting, adoptive parenting can be expanded out. People in the church can find that child, that teenager, maybe has a single parent, maybe going through a tough time, become sort of their unofficial foster grandparent, Um, pick out one child and begin praying for them. But beginning... Begin seeing children not as an annoyance. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the next generation. They're they're God's children. They've got his image. They're special. And begin to see children in the value they are and begin to invest in them. As Christian parents, as Christian adults, we have so much that we can pass on to the kids. and And we ought to be willing to do that. Mm-hmm. We sometimes get
1: confused. We, we look at the future oftentimes. We're in a political season right now. We're looking at the economy, what's going on in the Middle East, and we have a tremendous sense of fear. Because, well, we look at what's happening. So, well, we, we can't do anything about this, and boy, how fearful and, and worried we are. And yet here's an arena where we can do something. Mm-hmm. If we can speak life into the lives of these children, if we can, in a sense, as much as it is the, the responsibility of every believer to make disciples, what are we talking about, essentially? I mean, another word might be mentoring to come alongside as an older couple and help mentor a younger couple, Um, one family to help mentor or encourage and support a family that has uh, entered into uh, the foster parenting system and say, okay, we're going to come on give you a little bit of relief when you need it, a shoulder to cry on when you need that too, uh, and just be there to love on you and support you as you support this child or these children. We're going to take a brief time out. Pastor Larry Freiling with us today in studio, senior pastor from Christ Community Church in Hayward, and Vern Tyler from Hosanna Homes. A timeout, back with more as Lifeline continues.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back to Lifeline. We continue our visit today. Pleased to have with us today in studio, Pastor Larry Freiling, Senior Pastor from Christ's Community Church in Hayward. Also with us today is Vern Tyler from Hosanna Homes. Pastor Freiling, let me turn to you uh, some closing thoughts. Would you say looking back at the decision that you and your wife made some 15 years ago in terms of responding to... What the Lord was putting on your heart to enter into foster parenting, particularly for these needy infants, was the right decision?
3: Without a doubt. You know, with with all of the children that we had, um, God, you know, I believe was in every situation. We met some great adoptive families. Uh, we met a good number of Christians who had gone through the process and adopted some of the children. Uh, and as I said, in the process, we ended up adopting two of them ourselves, and that wasn't the intention. And so we have the opportunity to pour into two more lives. And, you know, I and we were just talking about God often works with the insignificant things. If you read the Bible, God often starts with something small. Jesus doesn't come on a chariot. He comes as a baby. You know, Jesus takes a few loaves and a few fish and turns it into something great. Whatever little you can do, God has a way of multiplying it out. And in my case, you know, we touch some infants, we you know, touch some families. God used all of that. We've got two kids as part of our family and, and love them dearly. And all the results are going to be for him. He mm-hmm. just says be faithful.
1: From a pastor's heart, you have the ear of Christians listening all over Northern California right now. In terms of being faithful of doing something that might seemingly be insignificant, that has very significant results, a significant outcome uh, for the sake of the gospel and the glory of God and the kingdom. Um, what's your pastor's heart on this topic? For those listening right now that say, gee, pastor, I hear what you're saying, but I don't know. You know, we've kind of talked about this, but I don't know if this is for my family. I don't know how we go about having that conversation. I've got so many concerns, so many worries. What would you say to that person or those, or those or that couple?
3: I would say just by asking the question, God is already stirring something up. And as Vern said, um, don't go out of your fears. You know, maybe maybe it requires to get more information. Maybe it requires to go through training. Maybe it requires to talk to foster parents. But follow that call. Follow that sense. You know, maybe foster parenting, you can't jump into it now, but then invest in the life of a child, you know, do something. Don't just think about it. Actually get out and do something. Vern Tyler,
1: Hosanna Holmes, of course, uh, you were engaged in uh, training parents to become foster parents for many, many years. In recent years, uh, there has been a a significant shift in your ministry, in large part recognition of the fact that parents come into this job, there's not much of an owner's manual. Uh, Gee, even if you want to learn how to drive in the state of California, you have to take a test to prove some level of proficiency. Um, None of those prerequisites are there when it comes to becoming a parent. But here you are, all of a sudden, responsible for another life or lives, wondering, what do we do? How can we do it right? And out of that was born the uh, Hosanna Parent Project. Tell us a bit more.
2: Well, having worked with the kids that were in this system uh, is heartbreaking. Uh, And with the numbers that we have, uh, of course, personally, as well as the agency, which serves 10 Bay Area counties, uh, I saw tremendous heartache. And I saw kids just totally broken and kids that were uh, damaged for life. Uh, So one of the things that uh, Hosanna is attempting to do is to get a jump on this, be more preventative than reactive, if you will. Uh, So we've uh, been doing the Faith-Based Parent Project. uh, And... To me, this is real exciting because there are so many families. We talked about fear earlier. Existing families in the church have a great fear. That. And when we're losing, again, 80% of our own kids, it means that we're probably not doing something totally right. And I don't want to say that we're doing things wrong, but we're not really doing it really right. So I think the basic training is so critical. So that's what we're trying to do. We'll go into churches, churches invite me, uh, and uh, we do a, a 24 or 30 hour parent skill building training, faith based. That sets a foundation for the family, and, and that's going to relieve an awful lot of fear. Uh, but those kinds of educational uh, engagement things are going to increase our faith. They're going to cause us to become more confident. If you're going to live in fear, live in the shadows, wondering if you're doing it right, you're not going to be doing it right. You're not going to be doing. You're, you're not going to be helping your children like you should be. And to me. The parent responsibility is the highest responsibility that any of us have. Even the President of the United States, if he loses his own children, he's done it wrong. Uh, And we as parents have to confront that and say, you know, I want to be the best parent I can so I can have the greatest impact for God's kingdom and our culture. Uh, So get some good training. Get some faith-based training. Uh, That's what we're trying to do now. We're, We're moving more away into that area. And, of course, the cultural issue that's out there, the faith-based pushback that we're getting from our culture now makes it more difficult to, to recruit foster families and to get kids in Christian homes. Uh, so we've just kind of changed our emphasis a little bit. But I want families out there to feel confident that you can be an excellent parent and you're going to see the results in your kids. You're not going to be part of this 80% failure or uh, residual that can happen. Is a
1: lot of this, too, about breaking the cycle. I, I think of the notion that look at the divorce rate today in America and the fact that we have individuals coming from broken homes who then commit together in marriage. And because they've got nothing in their history, in their background, to tell them how to model it right, they bring a lot of mistakes that their parents made, that they saw and witnessed, into their own marriage. Now all of a sudden we've got a second generation of divorce. Or if mom and dad just really didn't do a very good job as parents. Now I come into my adult years, I suddenly become a parent, all I have to go on is what my parents did, and I guess we could take the, well, I'll think of what mom or dad would do and then do the opposite, but that's not always uh, necessarily or do the uh, same. Or do the same, yeah. <laughs> that's not always the best wisdom. And we're really talking about honing skills, yes. being equipped with knowledge and understanding and principles, and that's really the core here, isn't it? Exactly. Principles that can be applied then in a faith-based fashion uh, that will allow us to train up that
2: child. And in that milieu, there's an awful lot of flexibility. You know, we can't everybody be the same kind of parent, but if you've got the principle, the foundation, uh, even with, uh, you know, counseling, I talk with many counselors, deal with many counselors, and one of the interesting conversations I have with them, how do you counsel Christian families when you don't have a basic foundation? And they say, you know, that's one of the problems, but I can't charge them to teach them the foundations. They're not going to do that. So what is happening so much, even your Christian counseling, is nothing more than a Band-Aid because you can't deal, there's no foundation, there's no fundamental, uh, no foundation there it's to build to off build, from. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I tell counselors and I tell families when they call me with a parent project, I say, you guys, we've got to understand, we've got to get a foundation again. That's the big issue, I think, within the church even. We have, we've lost the foundation or have never really built a foundation. So I think this is so elementary to get to a parent project, faith-based thing, spend 24 to 30 hours, that's nothing compared to a lifetime that you can impact a child or a person and the generations to follow. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and the ultimate outcome, and that, of course, has eternal
2: Absolutely. Uh, aspects to it. I
1: want to thank um, Vern Tyler for being with us today in studio. If you want to get more information about the Hosanna Parent Project, uh, you can go online to hosannaparentproject.org. Earlier I gave out Hosanna Homes. They can also reach you that way. You can also call toll-free 800-DEAR-KID. That's 1-800-D-E-A-R-K-I-D. Uh, there are always new classes starting. If folks want to come in maybe for a brief orientation, they can do that too.
2: Yes, they can drop in a class, visit a class. Or if your church wants to sponsor something, have them contact me, and I'll arrange something so that... Uh, that should be happening in churches all over the Bay Area. Absolutely. Again, information
1: on the web at HosannaParentProject.org or call toll-free 800-DEAR-KID, 800-D-E-A-R-K-I-D. Pastor Larry Fryling, we'll have you share a little bit about your church and your ministry in Hayward. Tell us more.
3: We are a church located near Chabot College, and uh, we meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Very diverse group, great group, and uh, if anybody wants to come by and see us, we'll be more than happy to have them there.
1: And maybe if they want to bend your ear afterwards and talk a bit about this whole foster parenting business, will you spend a few moments? Oh, you bet. All right. Again, more information on the web at CCC Hayward. That's for Christ Community Church, ccchayward.com. And uh, the church location again?
3: Uh, the corner of K Calaroga in Hayward near Chabot College. All right,
1: and again, uh, more information on the web at ccchayward.com, or you can call area code 510-782-6010. That's 510-782-6010. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us, and if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, Grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to KFAX.com. That's KFAX.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long.
0: Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX.